This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, it's Kyle. Thank you for listening to what is going to be the season two finale of 10 Questions. I love doing this show. I hope you love listening to it. And contribute. If there's someone you want to hear on the show, if there's a question you want to hear to someone on the show, you can always tweet me, tweet The Ringer, tweet Spotify. And I love that you guys listen to it. I love hosting it. And I hope we can do a lot more of these. Here we go. The season two series finale of 10 questions. Enjoy. And again, thank you. This podcast is scheduled for 10 questions. Fighting out of New York. Standing at 5 feet 11 inches tall. And wearing the red, white, and blue trunks. Presenting Kyle Thank you, Bruce Buffer. Thank you, everyone watching, everyone listening, and welcome to the season finale of 10 Questions. This one, woo, this one's going to be electric. You know how this works. We don't have guests. We have contestants who come here to compete against prior contestants, future contestants. Everybody gets a score. There will be 10 questions related to the contestants' life and career, however strange it may be. If they get it right, they get a point. If they get it wrong, they get nothing And oh my goodness, we have a great contestant today. Before we bring this gentleman in, I want him to hear some of his competition because this man thrives on competition. Here are just just a few, just a little sampling of some of the people that he will be competing against here today. Let's have a listen. I'm Michael Strahan, and I got an 8 out of 10. I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I got 6 out of 10. I'm Jamel Hill, and I shamefully got 7 out of 10. I'm Michael, the Playmaker Irving, three-time Super Bowl champion, and I got a 7 out of 10. All right, here we go. We've had anything from a 3 to a 9 and everything in between. Here's what you need to know about today's contestant. He used to write on CNNSI. I used to read him on CNNSI when I was back in college. He started covering high school sports, and now allegedly walks into NBA arenas without credentials. He takes care of himself, but man, does he love some White Castle. Ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming Stephen A. Smith to 10 Questions. Woohoo! What's going on, man? How you doing? Stephen A., I'm fired up. How are you doing, and are you ready for this? I I was fine. I don't know if I'm ready for it, but I was fine until I heard Michael Irvin's voice. And then after that, I mean, he's been torturing me over the last few days because he's so ecstatic with Michael Parsons being the Dallas Cowboys' new pick. So he's just screaming and all of this other stuff, calling me and harassing me. So, But that's all right. I mean, if he got seven, I damn sure better get at least seven or eight. I I better be doing better than him. That sounds like a goal. Stephen A said at least a seven or eight. Now, Stephen A, here's how this is going to work. You know, it's 10 questions, and I promise you, here's my promise to you, my friend. They will somehow be related to you or your career. Even if it doesn't seem like it, they got something to do with you. If you get the question right, Stephen A, you're going to hear this beautiful sound. 
Okay. Okay. If somehow, far be it for me to imagine this, somehow you don't get it right, you have to hear <laughs> this nasty sound right here. Damn. Now, oh, my goodness. Stephen A., before we start this journey, should you be flummoxed and lost on one of these questions? You have a lifeline here. And our lifeline on 10 questions is called Ask a Millennial. We have a real 26-year-old dude outside of D.C., who could come in and lend his youthful perspective to you or me should you want to call on it once in the 10 questions. Sound good? Okay, that's fine. Am I limited? Do I got a time limit on my answers? I mean, no. how does this happen? No, I'm the good. time limit, don't worry. You and I will work through it. I'm here to support you, my friend. I'm here at the table with you. I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, you you do great work and stuff like that, but I think you're a little closer to Michael Irvin, man. I don't know. I could be set up here. I don't know. I don't Only know. Only one way to find out. Let's start the journey. Stephen A. wants a seven or an eight. Let's start question one with Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A., your category for question one, 80s film. Who played the lead character in the 1985 film Teen Wolf? Michael J. Fox. Say it again. Michael J. Fox. Says Michael J. Fox. Did Stephen A. start out one for one, my friends? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, I, 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 you scared the hell out of me. The '80s. I'm like, oh, that's a long time ago. I didn't know that was coming. Yes, Michael J. Fox. We got you right where we want you. Stephen A. is already scared. Question one, I'm but he got it right. All right. So why am I asking about Michael J. Fox? First of all, let's set the groundwork, Stephen. A. I think Michael J. Fox, Stephen A. Smith. How did the middle initial thing start and become your professional name? Where'd that come from? Believe it or not, man, um, you know, I was in school and I had dyslexia, didn't know it. I got left back in the fourth grade because I still had a first grade reading level. Mm. So at that time, you know, my mother, you know, you know how kids can be. Kids are incredibly cruel. It was over sure. 40 years ago. And I can remember every single person that laughed at me. Mark McKnight, Donald Miller, Willie Johnson. I mean, I remember everybody. And it was incredibly humiliating. But my mother, God rest her soul, was so incredibly, incredibly supportive uh, that ultimately her and my older sister, Linda, and a family friend by the name of Tiver, McDowell, they helped me learn how to read and write. And so when I ultimately got into the field of journalism and communication and I had my first byline, I used to hate my name because my mother would call me Stefan when she got mad at me. And so I hated the name, my, the way my name was spelled with a PH instead of a V because it always reminded me of her being upset at me. But once I made it, you know, once I started getting into journalism and I had my first byline, I put my complete name, Stephen A. Smith, as a dedication to her. And then it just stuck. Everybody started calling me Stephen A. And that's you know, how it's funny because I'm sitting here talking to you and I, I find myself a little uncertain do I call you Steven? Stephen A? Did you have anybody who calls you Steve? Uh, yeah, my sisters. <laughs> They're the ones. I got four older sisters. They call me what the hell they want. <laughs> and when they say Steve, that's usually kind. They usually call me something else. So you right. never know. You know, but yeah, it's no problem with me. Well, the other reason I want to ask you about Teen Wolf is that, Stephen A, there is an enchantment, which I share uh, on the internet, about mm -hmm. your amateur basketball career. Now, okay. if somebody doesn't know, Stephen A is not just out there talking about basketball. You played basketball, college basketball at Winston-Salem yep. State University. Right. What, tell, tell me about your game. What was your game like? I was a shooter. Um, uh -huh. I, 
I could I could I could pull up I could pull up from the parking lot, Coach Gaines and the, the late Coach Gaines and the late Glenn, uh, John McClendon, who helped integrate the sport of basketball. They used to they looked at me one day and they said, "You're the first person we've ever seen that actually looks surprised when he missed when he misses a shot because I've never seen a shot that I didn't like." Uh, but I was really tiny. I was like five nine, five ten, a hundred and thirty five pounds when I graduated from high school going into college and stuff like that. And then when I got to college, I cracked my kneecap in half my first year going up to layup. I had tendonitis in my right knee from all of those years playing on cement mm. and stuff like that and, and not, not really taking care of my knees and my kneecap split in half my first year in college. And so from that point forward, it was just about trying to be healthy, which is why, you know, I'd say I, I, tr- I tried to play college. I had a basketball scholarship, but you know, I was never the same after my kneecap crash. Crash. It's a terrible ending. But if we go back to when you're on the floor, I gotta know. Stephen A. Smith is is he a trash talker? Are you chirping at the refs? No, no. not at all. Not at all. Because I was lighting ass. So my problem was is that you know what somebody like Kyle will sit up there. And st- I was worried about that. You know, and and my brother in law, my 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 former brother in law, his nickname for me was the pedestrian. I never drove. I'm pull up. That's what he called me. I'm pull up. I'd stay away 15, 20, 25 feet away from the basket. Mm-hmm. And I was just a gunner. That's what I was. I was pulling up from anywhere. I did not see a shot that I didn't like. And my attitude is the only way I was going to miss is if you blocked it. That's how I felt about myself. This is already a revelation. We already know what your sisters call you. We know you were <laughs> called the pedestrian. We're yeah. learning so much in one question. Also, that you started one for one. Stephen A., question number two. Yes. Your category is going to make you much more comfortable than 80s film. This category is food. Food for number two. As a young man working for the Greensboro News and Record, you said, quote, I survived on tuna fish and what? Kool-Aid. He says tuna fish and Kool-Aid could a young writer with all this ambitions really survive? Is that the right answer? Yes. <laughs> Dude, quick answers, my friend. You, were, you we would sit down. Tell me, take me into your, your kitchen or on your, your futon, whatever, and a tuna and Kool-Aid dinner. Well, what happened was is that you're in college, and obviously I come from an impoverished background. We didn't have much. So when I was in college, I was relatively poor. And then when I was working for the Greensboro News and Record as an editorial assistant, I was making $15,300 a year. Mm. And so by the time you paid rent, where I was living in, high, in Archdale, North Carolina, which was right next door to High Point, and by the time you paid your rent and you made uh, you paid for your gas and you made your car payment, you didn't have any money. So what you would do is you'd go to the store, you'd get some bread or crackers or both, you'd get some, to- uh, some Kool-Aid, uh, but you couldn't afford the fruit punches, the tropical punches and stuff like that. So you'd just buy these packs of Kool-Aid with some sugar. If you had sugar and you had bread and you had Kool-Aid, you know, you could get some Kool-Aid, mm-hmm. you had tuna fish, you were assured that you wouldn't be starving throughout the day. When you're growing up, and you don't have much, ask anybody. One of the first things you one of the first things you make sure you have is bread. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things you make sure you have is something sweet to drink. That's your treat to yourself. So for me, it was tuna fish and Kool-Aid. Great flavor, cherry flavor. Those were my two favorites. And I would have that with some tuna fish and 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 at least five to six days out of the week. That was what I would eat. I'm thinking, Stephen, I know where it went from that. You obviously didn't stay on cherry Kool-Aid and tuna fish forever, mm-hmm. but 
there's always a moment where some, everything changes. You know, in Eminem, he's got the song where he says, lose yourself. And he says, if you had that one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, could you do it? Do you have in your career, can you look back at your lose yourself moment where you said, oh man, this is it. I got to nail this and I got to hit this and I'm going to go someplace. Did you have that moment? Well, I think it was when, I mean, you, some people would think it's easily ESPN when they signed me on in 2003. For me, it was when I got hired by the New York Daily News as a high school sports writer, mm -hmm. because that was my first full-time gig in the field of journalism. And I knew that if I did that well, then I ultimately would cover colleges, which would ultimately graduate me to sports, which would ultimately uh, lead to me becoming an NBA columnist and ultimately a general sports columnist. And I was fortunate and blessed enough to have accomplished all of those things. And in fact, in 2003, when I was named a general sports columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, I was only the 21st African-American in this nation's history to be named a general sports columnist. And people don't realize in this day and age, social media, the advent of social media and everybody's got a voice and everybody, you know, has got their Twitter handles and all of this other stuff. Back in the day, bro, you didn't have a license to editorialize and express your opinion unless you became a columnist. So me and my opinionated self, I had to wait until 2003 where I had a license to express my opinion outright. Anything like that had to be camouflaged with just you know, stellar reporting and you go out there, you do your homework, you investigate and you might slide in a comment here or there, but they would literally take out anything that was opinionated. You are not allowed to give your opinion unless you had the title of columnist. Mm. And for me, I had to wait all of those years before it happens. That's why when people come to me and they say to me, man, I could do what you do. I could debate better than you. I'll take you out of whatever. I, say, I look at them. And I literally say they're usually young, ignorant kids. We understand that. But I usually say to them, you're absolutely right probably would do me a favor. Call me when you put in the 20 years I put in before I had the license to do it and then come talk to me mm -hmm. until then we don't have anything to talk about because that's my way of reminding everybody. I didn't just get here. I had to work to get here. It's an incredible answer. It's, it's a series of lose yourself moments. And it sounds like people are trying to find their own moment up against you walking up to you in the street, trying to challenge you about the Lakers. That happens. Oh, people come to me on all walks. I could be at a restaurant. I could be in the supermarket or whatever the case may be. And I look at them and I give them a classic line. Sorry, I don't debate for free. <laughs> What's to say? If you're, if you're good at something, you don't ever do it for free. Well, or even if I choose to do it, it's going to be my choice, but I'm not going to debate for free because when you're doing it every day, I'm not going to allow you the opportunity to try to get into it with me for free. I'm not doing that. No, absolutely not. As much as as hard as I had to work to get here to be allowed to do it, I'm just going to let you do it on the streets with me in the supermarket or someplace for free. No, I just listen to them. I look at them. I say, that's your opinion. I respect it. Have a nice day. The Winston-Salem State shooter has started two for two. You found two buckets now, two splashes. He, he's, okay. he's clapping for the ball. Give me the ball. Question right. number three. Let's All keep right. him hot. Stephen A., your, your category for question number three, famous landmarks. Here we go. In 2017, the iconic Hollywood sign was defaced and altered to read what? Oh, the Hollywood sign in 2017? This is four years ago. It says Hollywood. Everybody's seen it. And somebody messed with it. So it read, not Hollywood, but something different. And I may remind you, Stephen A., if you don't know this, remind yourself it's connected to you somehow and you have the Ask a Millennial Lifeline. I got to go to the Millennial Lifeline. All right. 
Bring in the millennial. Stephen A. Smith, I want you to meet Richie Bozek. He's 26 years old in Virginia, outside of D.C. Richie, say hello to Stephen A. Smith. What's up, man? How's it going? This is so great to meet you. Great to meet you as well. Just by the look at you, you look like you know everything. I shouldn't get this wrong. I mean, just by the look at you, I should be fine. I mean, you you got you should have me covered on this. I've never been more worried to let someone down. So I, I have no idea. I don't even remember it being defaced. I, I have no recollection of this whatsoever. All right, gentlemen. Now I want you to know for the lifeline, you're gonna get 30 seconds to talk it through. Stephen A. Before you came on, now Richie has done this for. Academy Award winners, NFL MVPs, massive, massive, massive pillars of the economy. And he has never been more nervous than to do it for you. So right now, what was the Hollywood sign changed to in 2017? 30 seconds, gentlemen, talk it over. I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling good. It was Hollyweed. Hollyweed. Oh, Hollyweed? Yeah, that's what I'm going with. Take I've, off the weed. Get yeah, off. yeah. Okay, okay. Stephen A., you want to go with that answer? Hollyweed, you trust this gentleman? I'm going to trust him. I'm going to go with Hollyweed. In 2017, was the Hollywood sign defaced to read Hollyweed? Yes, sir. Let's go. (laughs) Man, thank you. Thank you. Of course. It was my pleasure. Thank you. you. I'll be damned if I remember that. I'll be damned if I remember that. You're out of here. Stephen A. did not know it. The lifeline's burned, but Stephen A., you're three for three. I want to ask you now, do you, I don't know, do you have a four-word piece of advice for any professional athletes who might be considering using marijuana? Damn. My thing is, I have no problem with weed for medicinal purposes, and I have no problem uh, for those who use it as long as it doesn't cost you your money. Mm-hmm. My issue, and I've, I've brought on Snoop Dogg on my shows to explain this, because everybody, everybody knows he's a weed aficionado, sure. unapologetically. And he has come on to defend me because people think that I'm just going off about weed. I'm not going off about weed. I'm going off about people who lose their money because of it. Hold on to your money. When I say stay off the weed, it is directed at those who lessen and diminish their pockets because of weed. If it don't diminish your pockets, do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. But if you lose the money off of it, particularly if you grew up poor and you work that hard and all of a sudden your money is being drained out of your pocket, the league is taking your money with fines and suspensions and, 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 and you know, reduction, if not confiscation of pay, all because you can't stay off the weed then guess what? I have no sympathy for you. You're a new fool. Well, you know, Stephen, I actually, I think it's interesting you bring that up with the Snoop thing because, you know, I've read up on this and it's not just this phrase that you use. It's not just grabbing headlines. You grew up around some pretty heavy drug use and you saw it and you saw how it ruined lives. Is that not where this originates from in a part? Yeah, it is. is, Because I've always been one who believes uh, when you, um, are a bit inebriated in any capacity. If you are somebody that, you know, leans on alcohol or drugs or somebody like that, you take your power and you hand it to somebody else mm-hmm. because it's not just about you. 
uh, being in a comfort zone and, and being high or whatever. It's about the power it gives you in today's society, the power it gives others over you. Because you may not have you, you may not be at full capacity. You may be compromised in some way, some degree. Um, and particularly in the age of corporate America, I know people want to act like, guess what? You can do what you want, when you want, how you want. My frustration with people who think that way is that it might be true, but you're thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about the lives you impact that are not you, that don't have your cachet that don't have your connections, that don't have a resume that you've established where you might not have to be worried about something like that. What about them if they follow you? What kind of path lies in their way? Those are the kind of things that I think about. And I think, and that's where my frustration comes from. And I'm just saying, you know what, if, if that's what you want to do and that's how you have to be, so be it. And if you want to sit up there and encourage everybody to be what they want to be and don't worry about anything, you have to remember people who are employers, don't worry about something like that. You go ahead and think that you can do what you want to do when you want to do. You go ahead, Kyle. Listen, you don't feel like going to work tomorrow. Sure. Hey, 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 sure, sure. Don't, don't show up. Sure, don't show up. Watch what happens. Not be good. Let, me go on, let me go on the air and just debunk everything that ESPN wants me to do. Watch what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is 99.9% of the world. Mm-hmm. There's a very select few of us that get to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it without having to concern ourselves mm-hmm. with ramifications. And that is what I think about. To me, when people use words, particularly with black people like selling out, to me, that's truly selling out. When you're thinking about yourself mm-hmm. instead of the lives that you will impact. Mm-hmm. You know, Stephen, A., that kind of perspective you have on that. To me, that sounds like experience. It's tough to have that perspective without that experience. I, have there been times in your life that you've chosen to be on the weed? Never. Never? Never. Never. Because I was surrounded by drug use, uh, not my immediate family members, but cousins and uncles and aunts. Um, I saw the debilitating impact, that, the detrimental impact it had on my family, friends, loved ones. I mean, I, I grew up with a lot of cats that was in a drug game. Half of my friends are dead. Mm. Half of my friends are dead. They were in the drug game. Uh, obviously, there was a price that they paid. They were either, I shouldn't say dead. A lot of them are dead. The others are in jail. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so because obviously the drug game forces you to do a lot of things that you otherwise wouldn't do. I mean, you got to protect yourself. You got to protect your turf. You got to see people are coming after you, et cetera, et cetera. And then you know what? You're not far away from violence. That's what I grew up in. That's what I grew up surrounded by. And I don't condemn those brothers and sisters because- they had a lot of love for me. They protected me. They're the ones that kept me out of the game. If it wasn't for them, of course, along with my family, I probably would have been in the game. I probably would have been because it was right there for me all the time. When you're sitting up there and you're struggling and you're starving and all you got to do is, run, is walk 50 yards and you got somebody there waiting for you that'll give you thousands of dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's hard to, ter- to turn down. But I was able to do it not just because of my family, but drug dealers themselves would not allow me to do it because they said, this ain't for you and you got a future. Don't ever let us see that one. Dude, huh? No, no. I walked up to, I walked up. I wasn't, yeah. When I was about 12 years old, I walked up to a drug dealer. I wanted to do it. One of the guys in the neighborhood, he uh-huh. slapped, he slapped me. He slapped me. And he said, the next thing he said, you ever come to me with that nonsense again, I'm gonna whip your ass. That was a quote. He wasn't playing and he meant it. And he was, he was on the corner and he survived a while before ultimately the game got the better of him uh, and he ended up getting killed. But he was incredibly, incredibly. 
protective of me along with his crew. And they would not let me engage in any of that nonsense. Matter of fact, when I was playing basketball and I wanted to earn a scholarship, they literally would allow me to shoot in the park 90 minutes a day after school heading into the evening without anybody bothering me. And they was told all hands off, leave them alone, you know? And then when it was time for me to go, when the lights were coming down, it was getting dark. They said, all right, it's time for you to get out of here. They, they protected me. So Stephen, A., if that drug dealer, instead of slapping you says, here you go, hold this, stand on this corner, charge this for it. Are we having this conversation right now? No, I'm dead. Wow. I'm dead because for me personally, I, I, I'm somebody that, you know, being the youngest of six, everything feels claustrophobic to me. So if I, I could be, you know, in, in my house and if there's too many people in here and I own the house and I'm, I got all the freedom in the world in my home, I still feel claustrophobic if there's too many people mm-hmm. in my house. So just imagine me in prison. I, I, I would I would I, I, I'm one of those guys. I'm religiously on the record stating. I don't understand these people that that, uh, you know, you you on trial for life and stuff like that. And you'd rather have life imprisonment as opposed to the death penalty. Kill me. Mm-hmm. Kill me. I don't want to be in jail. Mm-hmm. I'd rather die. So there's no way on earth that that would have ever been a life for me. I'd be dead without question. I wouldn't be here. Stephen A., you are a fascinating man, and we're just getting started. Let's go to question number four, in which you are riding a three-for-three three scorching red-hot start. Question number four, Stephen A., every single contestant does it. Your category is name the movie. I'm going to play a clip from a very well-known movie. It's going to be about 20 seconds long. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. All you need to do to start a four-for-four four is name the movie. Here we go. The clip for Stephen A., name this movie. With the time I got left, I'm going to play my way. Get my dollars up. So when you go to wave me, trade me, injure, reserve me, or whatever the fuck y'all do, I'll be worth 10 times what I was worth before I got here. Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. That was Jamie Foxx. That was Jamie Foxx. That's correct. The Al Pacino at Al Pacino's house. When Al Pacino summoned him there because he knew his quarterback was changing his plays. (laughs) Stephen A., we've done a lot of these episodes no one has ever stopped the clip in the middle of it to say it. That was great. And he's right. Any given Sunday, four for four, Stephen A. Here's why I'm asking. I know you love that movie. We all do. Yeah. Al Pacino in that movie struggles. He's very successful, very successful football coach. He's, he's revered in Miami, but he can't find happiness. Stephen A., you are very successful. You are very charismatic. Sometimes this is the hardest question to answer. Are you a happy person? Most of the time, um, I, I can honestly tell you that, you know, there's two things. Number one, I wish I was married by now. Um, that is totally my fault. When you grow up poor, you make certain sacrifices. And for me, it was like I, I, I'm, I wasn't equipped to even consider being married because I was on the road a minimum of 200 days out of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just know there ain't no way in hell I'm going to be marriage material if I'm on the road 200 days out of the year. You understand? I don't look as good as Kyle Brandt, but I- I'm not Godzilla. So my attitude is I'm going to live a good life 200 days out of the year uh, away from my woman. That ain't going to cut it. But the other thing is, is that I-, I would tell you that, you know, for the most part, because I got such a wonderful family, I've got two daughters. I've got 13 nieces and nephews. I- I've got four older sisters. I've got cousins. My family's from the Virgin Islands. So for me, I was born and raised in New York City, but my family's from St. Thomas, St. Croix, Antigua, and they got places like that. 
And so, I mean, I, I mean, I've been living, I've been living a good life. I've got great, great friends, a great inner circle. And I would tell you the only reason that I would, I would challenge anybody on my level of happiness is because my mother's gone. She passed away from cancer in 2017 game, one of the NBA finals between Cleveland and uh, golden state, uh, by the way. And she's the greatest human being that I've ever known. And I miss her daily. And that is the only thing that I can honestly, honestly say really compromises my happiness at this point in time, no matter what I'm doing, no matter how high I am, no matter how great things are going, there's always a moment in the day when I, I reflect on her wishing she was here to yell at me, get on me, make me eat or, you know, do something like that. There's always something. Uh, uh, there's always a moment in the day where I just find myself in that space. Sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes it's three hours. Sometimes it's three minutes. But there is not a single day that goes by that she doesn't enter my mind and, I'm, and I don't miss her. You're talking, of course, about your mother, Janet, who I know casts a shadow over everything that you do. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious, Stephen. I'm surprised to hear you say that about not being married. You had the foresight to know that you weren't cut out for it. But w- before your mother passed, was she pushing you to get married? Did she want yeah. you to get married? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because she didn't like She, I was on the road too often. She's like, oh. Yeah, when you get settled down, she had the West Indian accent. When you get settled down, you can't gallop it, you can't gallop it around with every Mary Jane and Sue. That's what she would say and stuff like that. So, she was definitely on me, absolutely, positively correct. That is Incredible. true. All right, four okay. for four. Stephen A., listen, we never had a 10. The highest scores we've ever had, we had a nine from- me, man. All right, I'm just saying, this is what I do. I start to mess with you now because okay. you can't miss, so I got to mess with you. Question number five, here we go. Your category for question five, Stephen A., is linguistics. Oh. <laughs> linguistics. Here we go. Oh, God. What late comedian talked about the seven dirty words you can never say on television? Oh, late great comedian? Yes, sir. Oh. Famous oh. routine. Seven dirty words you can never say on television. Iconic comedy bit from this late comedian. What do you think? Okay. Late, great comedian. You know what I'm going to say? I'm probably wrong. I'm going to say Richard Pryor. Was it the immortal, iconic, late Richard Pryor? All right. It's a great guess because it does sound like Richard Pryor. The correct answer was George Carlin. George Carlin. And I know you knew it because you reacted right away. Yeah, it was it was between him, Robin Williams, and Richard Pryor. That's right. Those were okay. the three days that came to my mind. They were all great. Um, Stephen A., I asked you about that because I think part of the Stephen A. charm and part of the Stephen A. entertainment value is you have a prolific vocabulary. You do. I mean, you really do. I'm an English major, and I'm routinely impressed by some of the words on a fly that you can hit on the air. Where do those come from? <laughs> I told you earlier, I got left back. Yes. When I got left back, one of the things that I did to improve things is that I would read more. And anytime I encountered a word that I don't understand, Uh I would stop reading, pick up the dictionary, look up the word, its meaning and its usage. And then I'd go back. And Kyle, I still do that to this very day. Is that true? Still true. Well, listen to me. I'm very excited for this because, Stephen A., we got some words of yours and we got tape of you saying them. So here's what we want to do. 
Thank you to YouTube user JL, who did the God's work in finding these. We're going to play a very brief clip of you using a word, and I want you to explain that word to someone who might not know it. Here you go. First clip of Stephen A's word. Roll it. I'm not trying to cast any aspersions on Coach K whatsoever. Stephen A, what are aspersions? Negative. Negative negative connotations. Yeah, it's like an attack on somebody's reputation, an aspersion. Exactly. Do you remember looking up aspersion or you just knew that one organically? Um, I looked it up, but that was when I was in high school. (laughs) High school. No kidding. All right, number two. Roll a second one. Here's Stephen A. using another impressive word. My experience, I have seen players excoriated. (laughs) Excoriate. What's that? Vilified, demonized, you know, criticized heavily, that kind of thing. Yes, to censure or criticize severely. And the last one, this is my favorite one. People should use this. This word should be back more. Roll word number three for Stephen A. Believe he has earned the right for us not to nitpick at him and over, you know, uh, just bloviate excessively about things he may say. Bloviate. Well, for me, I mean, to, to me, when I talk about bloviating, I'm just talking about, you know, being a bit loquacious with your, with, you know, with your verbiage, constantly talking and, and, and really accentuating and being a little extra, you know, extra with your projections or with everything else that comes with it, that comes out of your mouth. That's basically what I mean by that. When you're doing this, Stephen A., do you ever look across the table at Max or Molly, whoever you're working with, and know in their eyes that they don't know the definition of a word you're using and you got them? No, no, especially especially not with Max, because that's the one thing Max has going for him is his vocabulary. He doesn't have much <laughs> else, not against me, not against me, but, but, but his vocabulary is not to be questioned. That brother's an Ivy League grad. Um, he's a brilliant brother and what have you, and uh, he knows it. You know, that's why he loses debate. Sometimes you could be so smart, you come across as foolish because you know so much, you don't know what points you really, really want to make. So you try to make every point. You convolute everybody. Everybody gets convoluted and they don't understand what the hell you're saying. And then I want to debate by default. Well, let me let me draw on that beautiful vocabulary of yours. I'm going to pull from the headlines too. What words, Stephen A., would you use to describe this great, great, great Aaron Rodgers apparently heading towards a divorce with the Green Bay Packers? Um, I wouldn't use a great word at all. I'd use a very simple word, justice. Mm, why? Justice, when it comes to, Green Bay Packers don't deserve him. Mm-hmm. They don't deserve him. See, a lot of people are looking at the decisions that they've made as a football pro, as a football franchise to maintain or elevate their level of competitiveness. They've been in the last two NFC Championship games. We get all of that. What I'm trying to say is that, to me, it's very simple. In a capitalistic society, There are the haves and the have-nots. Everybody isn't on the same level. As human beings, we're all supposed to be treated with a level of decorum, decency, respect. There's a foundation, a basement. But outside of that, to the victor goes the spoils. Everybody ain't Aaron Rodgers. You know how you know that? Go to the negotiating table. Try asking for what he earns and see where it gets you. Try asking for what Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady earns and see where it gets you. There's a level. There are levels to this. And Aaron Rodgers, to me, as a talent, is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my life outside. And Patrick Mahomes just came on board and I'm not even willing to give it to Patrick Mahomes yet because he hasn't done it over a sustained level of time. The way that Aaron Rodgers has done. I think the man is absolutely phenomenal. And when you carry a franchise on your shoulders for over a decade, they go 15 years without drafting a single uh, wide receiver in the first round. They've gone the last 10 years 
Nine times in the first round, they've drafted a defensive player. And the one time they've drafted an offensive player was your replacement. It's just certain things that are so disrespectful. And I remember somebody came to me yesterday and they said, uh, the last couple of days, rather, they said, well, what's the difference between that and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? I said, very, very simple. Even though Tom Brady went to the Super Bowl nine times and he won six Super Bowl championships, he did that with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick had two rings before he ever met Tom Brady as a defensive coordinator. Bill Belichick as a head coach is responsible for offense, for defense, for special teams, for for being the overseer of the franchise. We can't acknowledge that there are so many components that come to the success of a football franchise and ignore the man who's assigned to be the overseer. Mm -hmm. That's not the case in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. Matt LaFleur just got there. You were the offensive coordinator for the 27th ranked offense in Tennessee before you got the damn job. Aaron Rodgers was winning MVPs, already had a Super Bowl on his resume long before he ever knew who the hell you were. And oh, by the way, the same could be said about Gutekunst and whoever else you want to throw into the mix. Mm -hmm. When you have that level of greatness, you don't act like he's just anybody. You treat him with the level of deference and respect that he deserves. And you look out for him. You find a way to make sure your franchise does not plummet. You take care of him, not just monetarily, but you get him the pieces that he feels comfortable with. So he doesn't walk into every season frustrating, frustrated, thinking he has to overachieve in order to at least maintain the level of success that he's enjoyed. You don't do that to him. You don't do that to anybody. But unfortunately, we live in a day and age where people want to do everything they can to minimize star power and not appreciate it, which is why we should all love Tom Brady and we should all love LeBron James and we should all love guys like that because what they've done is remind us there's levels to this. And when you see it, appreciate it because it doesn't come along every day. It's beautifully said. And I know you're big on know your worth and know that you're replaceable. Aaron Rodgers is the 0.001% who is not replaceable. The rest of us are the 99.9, and they got one. Good luck. And I respect the hell out of Jordan Love. I hope one day he is loved in Green Bay because he'll need to be with all they put Aaron Rodgers through. I don't blame Aaron Rodgers one bit. And a matter of fact, uh, listen, I respect LaFleur. And as an African-American, to see some of the things that he's doing Mm -hmm. uh, to to really promote blacks being more involved in the National Football League and and, and other places like collegiate football, I respect the hell out of him in in that regard. But to take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands on a fourth down, (laughs) knowing that Tom Brady is the quarterback on the other side of the field, not Jameis Winston, Mm -hmm. Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. and all you need is two first downs to secure the NFC championship to take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. I think it's an unconscionable and unforgivable decision that should stay with Matt LaFleur for the rest of his career. And believe it or not, remember what he said. I really didn't talk to Aaron Rodgers about it. He didn't think about it. What? What? (laughs) If I was Aaron Rodgers, I would have walked off the field. They wouldn't have seen me. I'd have shook hands with everybody. I said, I'm out. Mm -hmm. Now. And the worst part is that might be Aaron Rodgers' last snap as a Packer, Stephen A., walking off the field to watch them kick that weak-ass field goal. It's a shame. <laughs> and the crazy part is, Stephen A., Aaron Rodgers was the first contestant on the show. He got a 6 out of 10. You've almost run him down. You got a 4 out of 5 as we go through halftime. Not Aaron Rodgers. That's my man right there. I love Mine that. Too. Mine love too. Mine too. All right. Question number 6. We're past halftime. Question number 6 for Stephen A., who's riding a 4 out of 5. Your category, Stephen A., is condiments. 
condiments. Here we go. What is America's number one selling steak sauce? A one. A damn one is right. One of the fastest answers we've had. Stephen A, are you an A one guy? You know what? I like Renee's sauce. Ooh, I, I like Renee's. Yes, I do. But but I, I can live with A one. I like I like I like Renee's. Though. All right, here's why I'm asking about A1. Stephen A, one of your signature bits is the Stephen A list. You do a top five of ranking things, whether it may be uh, rappers, point guards, whatever it may be. I've seen you do it for Thanksgiving foods. Who are you putting on your Stephen A list of top five sports media members? Sports media members? Yes, sir. Opinionists, if you will. What you do. Who is great at the same type of thing that you do? Who's on it? I'm going to put Michael Irvin up there. Michael Irvin, okay. Michael Irvin, uh, I'm not gonna mess around. I'm gonna put him up there. Um, I think uh, he's 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 phenomenal. Um, I'm gonna put my man Skip Bayless up there. Now, where's I'm, where's Skip? It's not just a list. It's one through five. Is you think Skip? I gotta think about. I never have been asked this question before, Kyle. I haven't even thought about that. I mean, well, first of all, do I put myself in the top five? That it's your list. Okay, I'm number one. That's easy. <laughs> okay, that's easy. All right, I'm number all one. Right. I'm I'm number one. I would say okay. I would say Skip is number two because Skip. Skip is number two because he's in an he's an antagonist and, and and listen, you're going to get a reaction out of him and he has people thinking that he is so obnoxious that he's faking how he feels. Yep. That's not true. Oh no no no, he's he's a different kind of animal. People don't understand Skip's vice is diet Mountain Dew. That's it. Okay. Same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Works out every single day. Yes. This, this dude is not, they don't understand. It, it, it's not faking. That's that's who he is. Uh-huh. Okay. So I put him up there. You got um, two spots left. I got uh, just two. So yeah, there's two spots. Wow. This is tough, Kyle. This is tough. I mean, you got, I'm, it, 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 Coward, Charles Barkley, Mike Wilbon, Tony Kornheiser, Rachel Nichols, Mike Greenberg, Ben Pell, Levitard. I got Charles Barkley. I got to put Charles Barkley. Okay. I got to put Charles Barkley there. I really, really do. Um, One wow. spot left. Oh, my God. Levitard, Tariko, Collinsworth, Jim Rome, Skip Bayless is already on it. Ernie Johnson, Rich Eisen. They're all watching Stephen A. They're all going to be pissed as hell. <laughs> Who's left? I, 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 can, can I get like a 10-way tie for fifth? You know, I gotta, well, who would you put on it? Who would you put on it? Oh, my goodness. Who Rich, you I, like? Who's good at what you do? Well, no, no. I think I'm think i I'm, I'm blessed. I think you're exceptional. I think Rich Eisen's exceptional. Um, I think that, uh, uh, you know, I'm a Teddy Bruschi fan. I'm a Jeff Saturday fan. Uh-huh. Uh, Ryan Clark, Lewis Riddick, Marcus Spears. Oh, my God. I mean... You know, I, I, Mike, Mike, Mike Tarico is an institution. I think he's phenomenal at what he does. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the Dickie V's, I love them. Oh, my God. You got the Jay Billis. I, I work with such great guys. I mean, oh, oh. I heard Stephen A., Skip Bayless, Charles Barkley, Michael Irvin. And then my name was the next one you said, so I'm going to take no, no, that. No, no, let's go with that. 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 All right. It's a great list. Right. Stephen A, let me take you to the table, to the to the first take table. Give me um, a scouting report, uh, like like you're scouting this person on Max Kellerman. Strengths, what you got to look out for, like as if he's a prospect. 
For me, it's relatively easy to do. I mean, I almost feel bad answering this question. I mean, I beat up on the guy every day. You know, I mean, there's no match for me. But I will tell you this. Here's the deal. Okay. Max Kellerman, undercover, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in your life. He's a really good, genuine guy. He's incredibly, incredibly smart and well-read. So he's one of those guys that please don't underestimate or sleep on him and think he does not do his work. Mm -hmm. He does. Mm -hmm. Here's the difference. The objective is a debate. Right. All I have to do is let him talk (laughs) and he loses because he's the kind of person that'll make his point. Right. But make your point. My point, Molly's point, and everybody else's point. Not realizing you'll forget his point mm-hmm. because he tried to make he tried to show the world how much he knows. He's and making but, the point for the stage director, the lighting guy, the craft services, the the the, 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 the the production assistant, the security at the front door. Yep. He's making every damn body's point. And before, and all I have to do is say, "So what did you say?" Because. You lose. See, you remember my point. Yeah. Because I, the, at the end of the day, God bless him. Knowledgeable, well-read, brilliant, great guy. All of those things are true. The flat, the flip side to it is that he couldn't give you one opinion to save his life. He has to give you 10. And as a result, the fact that I give you one First of all, mine is going to be more profound, more substantive, and more importantly, you're going to remember mine because it's only one that I gave you. <laughs> and, that's, and that's all you have to remember to beat him in a debate. All right. Max, I can't wait to hear your response to this. I love you, Max. You're very smart. The more he talks, <laughs> the more he'll go down. Just wait. It's, he's like the Cowboys. Just wait. Don't react. Just wait. The season is September, October, November, December. Yep, yep. Don't react in October. Wait. The fall is coming. Mm-hmm. You just have to be patient. Same thing with Max. Just be patient. Just wait. It sounds like a fighter who will punch himself out. Like, it, it, yeah. just, there's so many punches in the early rounds, and everyone's saying, oh, they're getting up, they're getting up. Just wait. Just wait till the seventh, right? Just wait. Just All right. wait. Stephen A, five out of six. Great yeah. score. We have four questions left. You can finish as high as a nine, which would tie our all-time score. Question number seven, though, your category is a little bit weird, my friend. Jinxing me again. Jinxing me again. Go your ahead. category is mythical creatures. Oh. Okay. What is the term for a mythical female spirit known for wailing or shrieking extremely loudly? What? Yes. It's a female spirit who is known for a very loud scream or wail. And I guarantee you've heard of this before. Oh, my Lord. The Ask a Millennial Lifeline is gone. Mythical creature who will scream as really loudly and deafen their enemies. I know you've heard it. Oh, the deafening of the enemy. Oh, my God. Why can't I remember that? Oh, I can't remember. I know what you're talking about. Yes. The screech and it makes you deaf. You can't. Oh my goodness! I can't remember it. I can't remember it. Oh my goodness! Oh. Welcome to ten questions, Stephen A. I can't think of it. I can't think of. It. Do you want to throw up a, a hail mary, or you just I, you just want to hear the answer? I just want to hear the answer. 
The name of a mythical female spirit known for wailing or shrieking extremely loudly is a banshee. A banshee. Is that it? Did you know it? I, I know it now. I, I wouldn't have guessed it, though. I wouldn't have guessed it, though. But I, I remember seeing it. I remember. I really do. Damn it. I knew I hear I hear this. At nine, you jinxed me again. I know. This is what I do. I got to talk a little bit. I can't get everybody rolling in here getting tens. But I hear <laughs> this like you, Stephen. A. I hear this when I'm at work and I hear this from people watching. Wow, you're so loud. Why are you so loud all the time? Calm down. Calm down. You hear that. You've heard screaming A. Smith. Yeah. What's your response to that? Um, me personally, I don't, I don't like it too much. It doesn't affect me anymore. It used to affect me because I thought it was unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, you know, as, 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 as black people, we, we pay attention to when somebody's white is loud, they're passionate, but when we're loud, we're angry mm-hmm. and they would attack, they would attach the volume to anger. And I wasn't angry. I wasn't angry at all. You know, I was just, I was just talking, I was projecting, uh, but Obviously, over the years, I've grown to accept it. I understand it. And actually, it's a bit endearing at times. So it doesn't affect me as well. And not only that, I see other people who don't look like me being called, you know, being accused of being loud and stuff like that. So fair is fair. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind it at all or what have you. But my only the only thing that I would say that I always tell people is pay attention to my resume. You know, Winston-Salem Journal as an intern, Atlanta Journal-Constitution as an intern, New York Daily News as a high school reporter, Philadelphia Inquirer as a, as a college reporter, an NBA writer, an NBA columnist, then an NBA, then a general sports columnist, you know, CNNSI as an NBA insider, Fox Sports as an NBA insider, ESPN as an NBA insider before I became a host, a co-host of First Take, and obviously hosting my own show, Stephen A's World on ESPN Plus, where I'm the executive producer and I started my own production company, Mr. Best Productions. I have a resume. And so for me, it's like, don't act like I just got here because I'm loud and I project. No, I was actually breaking story. I broke more stories in a year than most journalists have done in their careers Mm -hmm. when I was a beat writer. Mm -hmm. And when I was an NBA insider, I actually earned the right to be here. And as long as they don't forget my resume, they can say whatever they want. Mm -hmm. I'm good. I'm a big boy. I can take it. But don't forget the resume. I see uh, from you, I see passion and I see intensity and all the things that you do. I wonder what the flip side is at Stephen A, because you you don't smoke weed. You're not a big drinker. How how do you relax? Do you? Can you? Some people can't when you're that successful. Great family, great loved ones, great inner circle. Um, I like, uh, you know, uh, again, I love the movies. I'm a movie fanatic in terms of when I talk about relaxation. Yeah. If you put me near a movie theater, man, and I get to sit down and just relax, I mean, that's that's my ultimate muse other than going to the islands and just being soaking in the ocean air. So I'm really, really big on that as well. But, but I am not one of these guys that it's all work, no play, and I don't have loved ones and friends and family. I got a crew of boys. You know, I've, I've got my daughters. I've got my sisters. I've got cousins. I've got, you know, again, my boys and places that I go, things that I like to yeah. do and relax, et cetera. I am good. You, you talked earlier that, you know, not ever getting married is something you look back on. Why yeah. is that a finished product? Are you, would you still look? I was not, not a finished product. No? I will someday. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just talking about what I didn't do earlier in life and how I wish I had. I, so how the, but you're also like, you're, you have a huge amount of celebrity now, huge amount of visibility. Mm-hmm. Is it difficult for you to date? Yeah. 
Yeah. But I don't care. It's all right. You still you know, try? I live a good life. Mm-hmm. I live a very, very good life. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> like, yeah. you can't go on eHarmony.com or something like oh, that. That's got to be tough. I would, I, would never do, I would never do anything like that. I, I would never do anything like that, but I don't have to. Life is good. What is that look on your face? <laughs> I'm trying to figure that out. Life is good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, three questions left. Stephen A is five out of seven. He slipped up a little bit. Let's finish this thing. This is my favorite category. Every single contestant has always done it. It's called Finish the Lyric. Stephen A, I'm going to play you a piece of popular music. You're going to hear the singer. He or she is going to be singing, doing their thing. It's going to stop on a dime. And you need to finish the lyric, whatever it oh may be. Oh my God, what are you doing to me? What, what All right. kind of these? I try oh. to look into something that you might be into. I'm not going to give okay. you some crap that's too old or too young. Okay. We're going to go to the mid 80s. All right. This is a great oh. song. You'll remember it. When it stops, finish the lyric and you get the point. Here we go. I'm excited for this one. Stephen A, I'm very happy about this. Finish this lyric. So you better treat her right. Yeah! <laughs> we got it! Oh! Right, that's right. I got that. I got that. That's a Donna Summer, mid-80s. Right. You knew Donna it, no Summer. doubt. Donna Summer, absolutely. 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 So I'm talking about working hard for the money. You work hard for the money. Not everybody does treat you right. Stephen A., there was an exchange recently that I found... Um, You were angry, but I found it very amusing. Someone tweeted something pretty serious about ESPN laying people off to pay for fat salaries like Stephen A. Smith, and they said it's saddening. You replied, I generate revenue, clown. I bring money to help keep jobs, not lose them. Know that bleep before you open your mouth and know what you're talking about. Take me into that exchange. You were worked up. Why did you respond like that? I responded like that because it was preempted by uh, a Sports Illustrated reporter mm-hmm. a few months earlier that had said the same thing. And I was highly offended by that. Number one, don't ever associate me with the firing of anybody. I generate revenue that helps keep people employed. OK, I don't sit up there and cost the company revenue where they got to lay people off. Stephen, I don't think people understand that. Explain how that works. Well, in the world of television, particularly, there's ratings which lead to ad sales, revenue and things of that nature. And so the money that comes pouring in is what enables people to be employed. Me at ESPN, you at the NFL Network, list goes on and on. Now, obviously, there's a salary that comes along with that. But I can assure you for every three or four negotiations you have with a network and you know this just as well as I do, we might win one of them. And even then, we ain't winning the way they winning. You never beat the company. They always gonna get. They always gonna get more money than you. And so, understand what they're paying you is what they can afford to pay you based on what your productivity is and how they can monetize you. They make those projections. They do their homeworks. There's focus groups. There's Q scores. There's all of these things that show precisely what level of revenue you're bringing in to a company, if not precisely in that roundabout way. And so for me, you know, as a guy that was once unemployed, that lost my job at ESPN because I didn't know my value and I was asking for more than I was worth at that particular moment in time. And I was a basic kid in the business and didn't know any better. 
Fast forward a decade later, and that clearly was not a problem. And so when people looked at, 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 at you know, the layoffs and things of that nature, well, it's Walt Disney. Um, and you've got a bottom line to me. And the reality, you got shareholders to answer to and things of that nature. And so if, if, they're, if, they're, if this spreadsheet doesn't show that they're making the kind of money that they projected to make, you're going to have to make decisions. Obviously, they didn't have to make one when it came to me because they know I was generating money. And so you have a lot of people. And I, and I think that it, it, it's with a, with a regular individual that doesn't know the business. That's one thing. But for somebody to be in the business, sort of stir the cup just because I might not be your taste. You may not like me. That has nothing to do with it. I can despise you. But if this is what you bring to the table, this is what you bring to the table. I'm going to respect it. I'm going to appreciate it. I'm going to acknowledge it and be accurate in my reporting on it. I'm not going to let personal subjective feelings get in the way of facts. Mm -hmm. And if you looked up your facts, you would know this is what the hell I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And and listen, I don't bring it up much. I don't actually I never say it, Kyle. But first take's been number one for eight years Mm -hmm. in the morning. They weren't number one when it was skip against everybody else. They were number one when it was skip against me. It stayed number one when skip left. Mm -hmm. And I brought in Max Kellerman. What's the common denominator? It would happen to be me. Now, it could end tomorrow. It could end next month. It could end next year. But you can't take away what I've done over the last eight, nine years. And so for me, for somebody to ignore that and don't pay attention to that, um, I think that's weak, particularly from somebody in our industry, just because you might not like me. If you think you could do what I do for two hours a day, five days a week, 240 shows a year, et cetera, et cetera. Try it. Oh, I forgot. You can't because nobody offered you that damn opportunity because there's levels to this. And that dude wasn't on it. And so you have people in Twitter that was following his lead and thinking they could bring that to the table. And I was letting them know, most times I don't answer the stuff. ESPN really doesn't like that. But every now and then, I remind you who the hell I am, and I'm my own man, and nobody thinks for me, and nobody speaks for me. I'm fully capable of doing that myself. And I felt when I feel like it's necessary, I will speak on it. And at that particular moment, I felt that was necessary. It wasn't just for that guy. It was for anybody who thought to follow with a similar opinion. Kick rocks. Because this is how it is. I'm giving you facts. Get the hell over it. Did it feel good? Hell yeah. <laughs> I bet it did. You got to pick your spots, right? You can't just well, always I, shut I, up. I, I don't just do it for me, but I do it for us. And what I mean by that is, Kyle, I ask you a question. I'll throw this back at you. Sure. When, when do you hear me insulting colleagues and contemporaries? I don't think I have. I don't do it. Yeah. I don't yeah. do it because I understand the business. No. And I understand that whatever's going on, there's always something connected to it that we may not know producers, executives, sure. networks, et cetera. It ain't just that person. There's more to it than Aren't that. you giving that back? Stephen, here's the thing. You don't refer to yourself this way, but I will. You right now, you're the face of ESPN's content. You go to ESPN.com. Here's Stephen A. on basketball, on football, on MMA, over and over. You're well compensated, fairly compensated. Now, and I know networks, though, are they're competitive places, and there's a lot of ambitious, intelligent people there. Do you feel at ESPN that there are people around you who resent, who are envy, yeah. who want where you are. How does it feel? Yeah. But I don't care. You don't? And not only that, I don't hold it against them. Mm-hmm. Because you have people that are looking at themselves and they've got their own definition of what their worth is. And I respect that. 
You see what I'm saying? So I don't take that personal. Now, I'll take it personally if you're lying about me behind my back and I find out about it. If you're chirping and all of that stuff and you ain't man or woman enough to come to my face and let sure. me know how you feel because ain't nobody going to accuse me of not saying what I feel. Anything that I've said about anybody publicly, I've said to their face mm. in terms of my colleagues. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. And more importantly, I never attack my colleagues. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about that. I've never been about that. And last but not least, you know what? I've been a journal, I've been in journalism for 28 years. 28 years. Um, and I've been in television since 1999. I did not get here just yesterday. And I think it's kind of stupid for people to resent me because in my eyes, I'm opening doors for other people to get theirs. Cause I don't believe that I'm the only one who should get paid. It took me 20 years to get what I'm getting paid now. And by the way, despite the huge contract that everybody wants to lean on that was reported, I have, I'm still underpaid still. I understand it. I'm paid well, but I know I'm worth more. Mm -hmm. I have no question about it. Mm But during a negotiation, you get what you can get and you you move on. Mm-hmm. But I'm worth more. Yes. Yes, I am. First take, um, Stephen A's World, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sports Center, uh, Podcast, ESPN on YouTube, Facebook. You know, all that of this. pool's getting po- bigger behind you, Stephen A. It's a beautiful pool, but it could be a little bigger. I don't know. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Hey, think I'm not thinking about it? Yes, I, I am. Know you are. Six out of eight. Two questions left. Uh, in getting this six out of eight, you have passed Bill Simmons, passed Aaron Andrews, and we are knocking on the door of that seven or eight out of ten. Stephen, we got five minutes left. Two questions. Yeah, I'm glad I passed Bill Simmons. That's my guy. Bill That's Simmons, my- the Godfather, the Podfather. You passed yeah. him. Question number nine. Category is fitness. All right, mm. fitness. Okay. What athlete? Famously failed to bench press 185 pounds even once when coming out of college. Kevin Durant. A very fast Kevin Durant answer. Could Kevin Durant be the answer? Failed to bench press 185. Is that true, ladies and gentlemen? Absolutely true. You get another point. Stephen A., people love to talk about this. How would you define your relationship with Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant and I are fine. I mean, we we have heated discussions from time to time, uh, you know, when he disagrees with what I say or I disagree with a point that he have made that he has made. But that's it. Um, the only friction we've ever had in our career is when I call his move to Golden State the weakest move I've ever seen by a superstar. And damn it, I meant it, which I told him to his face. If you recall, when I showed up on his show, the boardroom on ESPN Plus. But where I stepped back is that people took it as as me saying you know, he's weak. He's scared of competition. No, mm-hmm. I consider Kevin Durant went healthy to be the greatest basketball player on the planet. Mm-hmm. That's how good I think he is. I t- completely disagree with Magic Johnson. I think Magic Johnson's lying when he said he'd rather have LeBron James take the last shot than that sniper mm-hmm. that is Kevin Durant. OK, I think he's lying. All right. Having said all of that, um, I have incredible, incredible respect for Kevin Durant, the player that he is. Even the person that he is, I think sometimes it's it's foolish for him to engage in people the way that he does. But I can't be a hypocritical because we all like the fact that he engages to some degree and he cares enough to engage. So we don't get to dictate how he should react or what he should say 
overall, we can compartmentalize and say, well, you might not have, shouldn't have done that this on, on this particular subject, or you might have done something differently on that particular subject. But overall, the man that he is um, and that he strives to be, um, I think he's a really good brother. Uh, and just because I'm one of those guys, Kyle, uh, just because you may not like me doesn't mean that I don't respect the hell out of you. I'm not saying he does or doesn't. We speak in free, not that frequently, but we speak from time to time. We're cool. There are other players that may not like me. Doesn't mean I don't like them. Doesn't mean I don't respect them. It just means I'm calling it like I see it. And I've had plenty of players, plenty of professional athletes, coaches, and beyond that when they were on the job, they despised me. And the second the job was over, they've reached out and talked to me and have befriended me. Mm -hmm. Even Gilbert Arenas, I just did his podcast. He was like, I was playing. I couldn't stand Stephen Uh A. He said, but the second I finished playing, I love the guy, you know, that, 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 that's nothing new. I understand what comes with it, but I'm not here to, to, to make friends. I'm not here to make enemies. I'm not here to make friends. I don't have Thanksgiving dinner with them and I don't exchange Christmas gifts. I answer to the, to the American public and beyond, and I'm going to look out for my viewers and listeners by calling it like I see it. How do you respond to this, Stephen A? All of us who are in sports media, who are not professional athletes, get this at some point or another. You didn't play the game. You didn't play in the league. You were not a professional basketball player. You don't know what we go through. How dare you talk about it? How do you respond to that? It means nothing to them. In one end, out the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't say that when those same people are praising you. Mm-hmm. Why are you bitching now? Mm-hmm. Don't say it when they're when they praising you. You accept it. Okay? When they say all the right things, if those same thoughts were applicable, if you sat up there and said, your opinion means nothing, your praise means absolutely nothing to me because because you never play, then I'd respect it more. Mm-hmm. But you only say that when it comes to you hearing something you don't like. It doesn't work that way. Grow up. <laughs> Let's go. Let's finish. Last question. You are seven out of nine, Stephen A. And getting that seventh, you passed Guy Fieri, Scott Stapp from Creed. You're in rare air. The last question is all sorts of fun. Did I pass Aaron Rodgers? Did I pass Aaron Rodgers? Oh, you passed Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> he okay. was a six. You're good. You're good on Rodgers. The last question, Stephen A., is always an essay. What I mean is, uh, you're given the floor as long as you want, 10 seconds, 30 minutes, whatever you want, to explain something in a persuasive manner. And if I agree with your take, I'll give you the point. If I think you're wrong, you'll get nothing, and you'll finish with a 7 out of 10. Stephen A. Smith. You know, you got as long as you want. No, as long as you want. There's no no hurry. Um, Stephen A. Smith, your essay question to finish with a final score of 8 out of 10, you must right now say some nice things, positive, constructive, complimentary things about the Dallas Cowboys. The floor is yours. Their cheerleaders are gorgeous. Jerry's billion-dollar playpen is spectacular. Jerry Jones is a brilliant, brilliant businessman who is great for the game and great for the sport. Dallas Cowboy fans are nauseating. They're disgusting. I can't stand them. Nothing makes me happier in the world of sports than seeing them miserable, but I still respect the hell out of them. I enjoy being around them and being heckled by them, particularly when I'm in the presence of Michael Irvin while, while it's happening. Um, and ultimately give credit where credit is due from the standpoint that they always keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Jerry Jones and Steven Jones are my buddies. 
I love those guys. And I'm waiting for them to, to fulfill their commitment to me that um, they were going to take me out for a drink one of these days. And I also have a bet with Michael Irvin. Uh, he swears within the next couple of years, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Mm. I told him if they did that, I would emcee their parade if they wanted me to, which would be the biggest piece of torture I've ever experienced in my professional career. And I also have to clean his house if they win the Super Bowl. It won't happen. That just won't happen. But that's my answer. You're going to clean. I mean, you're going to hit the toilets, the bathtubs, all that stuff. If you know they win the Super Bowl? He'll probably take a dunk in the toilets and then have <laughs> me go and clean it without even flushing with his nasty stuff. he probably do something like that, you know. If you didn't have it before then, Michael Irvin taking a dunk in the toilet gives you the point. Stephen A. Smith, I give it to you. Eight out of ten, and you have finished the ten questions with a beautiful score. How do you feel? I'm mad because I didn't know. Um, I, I didn't know what a banshee was. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't know the answer to that question. I'm mad about that. It should have been nine out of ten. It really should have. The banshee but one I'm, is I'm, tough, uh, but you knew a one. You knew so many other beautiful things. Stephen A. Um, I've always uh, admired you from afar. I've taken in so much of your content. You are the real deal, as you say. You did not make this happen overnight. You've been working this thing since high school sports decades ago. And now you got a beautiful pool. You're a beautiful contestant. Thank you so much. The last piece of business, everybody does it. Stephen A., you need to call somebody out. Everyone calls out a contestant they think should come in to this dojo and compete with your 8 out of 10. Anybody in the world. It doesn't have to be sports media. It could be Hollywood. Who do you think would thrive in this format and could challenge your 8? I think, I think Kevin Hart could do it. You think so? You think he's going to come in here and run? You know, he's a diehard Eagles in Philadelphia. Kevin, Kevin, you know, you, I know. I listen, man. I know. Listen, they they got high chairs, uh, so that's important. <laughs> they got that. They got the high chairs, Kevin. So that's important. Um, outside of that, man, you know, you know your Sixers. They're relevant now. They're contenders. You know your Philadelphia Eagles. They just drafted Devontae Smith, put him with Rager. If Jalen Hurts could do anything, they've got a bright future. Uh, things are looking pretty decent in Philadelphia right now, man. And, and Philadelphia is relevant. And you are the representative of the city of brotherly love. So why would you not come on with your brother Kyle Brandt and do this appearance? You should do it, Kevin, Kevin Hart. You should do it. One of the greatest call-outs we've ever had, one of the best scores we've ever had. Stephen A. Smith, uh, those kids who are making fun of you, if you're reading back in first grade, I don't know where they are now, but you're doing the laughing and you're beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the 10 questions. You're the best. My brother, I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. Keep up the great work, my man. Thank you for listening. I want to thank my crew, producer Steve Allman, Richie Bozak, who is not a great lifeline, but is also a very good producer. Additional production support from Noah Malalay and Arjuna Ramkapal. Thanks, guys. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease. 
and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.